well, the experience, both conscious and unconscious, of what it means to touch and or be in contact with a company, a brand, the humans who work there, the product itself. I think that there's there's kind of like that gestalt uh, effect, which is, you know, one plus one is truly three. Hi, and welcome to Greater Than. Here you'll listen to conversations with business leaders on how they build remarkable businesses, putting values to work for their organization and their customers. I'm Lauren Sinrake, a systems thinker and design strategist, principal of Whole Innovation and Design, and host of this podcast. I'm here today with Ara Katz. She's the co-founder and co-CEO of Seed Health, which is a microbial sciences company pioneering applications of bacteria for human and environmental health. She's also co-founder and on the board of Luca Biologics, which is a biotechnology company developing living medicines for the vaginal microbiome. I'm really excited to have you here today, Ara. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So I have to say up front that I am a seed customer. I use the probiotics daily and I'm one of those people that I I don't always see a notable difference when I start taking probiotics. So my love of the brand is really about my experience that I have of seed Generally, I have been so impressed with just how much intentionality comes in infusing art and technology and science from your branding to your messaging to the packaging. Um, I first kind of became sold when I got my first shipment in, in the mail and it was in a glass container with a little smaller glass travel pack and the the compostable mushroom packaging. And then the refills would come in compostable and recycling materials. And then getting more involved with Seed Online, the initiative you have uh, of anybody who wants to promote Seed products has to go through a kind of university to make sure that they're informed and speaking in in an informed way about uh, the microbiome and probiotics. And then also these Instagram stories teaching about the microbiome. I have just been floored with with your whole online presence. And it really says that you're doing things very differently. So I have to say thank you for that because it's just been so inspiring. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I think we're, we work very hard at it. And mo- mostly, I mean, beyond, of course, the, the marketing and the content and the branding, I think it's always like incredibly meaningful to me when I hear that from a product perspective, that has made an impact for somebody. I definitely notice. Uh, I'm curious to hear from you in your experience throughout your experience being an entrepreneur, what have you found to be m- most effective in your process or m- most powerful tool in the process of being so intentional about every part of seed in the way that you have been? Oh, that's a, you know, it's a really, it's a great question because there's Absolutely. From like a business perspective, there's, and, and, and particularly in the startup world, and I'd say just particularly in a world where things move very quickly, uh, it is hard um, and challenging to make decisions that invest in something, um, in, in, and particularly like in the way that we do in things like education that's not related to your products or um, packaging where the margins are not going to be as good day one. Mm-hmm. In new materials um, and supporting maybe other um, other companies that aren't um, always the ready to scale from a cost or production perspective. So I think there's always challenges with being first in a lot in a lot of things or being early, and you pay for that. But then you also the ROI has a lot 
to do with like thought leadership. Um, but then of course, kind of what you described, which is, well, the experience, um, both conscious and unconscious of what it means to touch and or be in contact with a company, a brand, the humans who work there, the product itself. Um, and I think that there's, there's kind of like that gestalt effect, which is, you know, one plus one is truly three, mm-hmm. um, or that kind of amplifier, you know, we, we work in, in microbes. So there's like the lo- logarithmic, you know, it's like, th- that's, I believe where companies go from like 10 to the second to 10 to the six, instead of the multiple on a PO from your retailer, you know, it, it's like that, those are those things that in, in looking at like just your cogs at first don't always make the most sense. Uh, or your margins and like, you know, th- things that of course are incredibly important to the health of your and sustainability and resilience of your business. But ultimately, like, I think you have to have conviction about those. And I think you have to look at those as, cha- as, as beautiful challenges of how you integrate and weave your value system and what you want something to feel like and how efficacious or impactful you want it to be with short-term versus the long-term gain. Mm. And you have to believe that like not all of those calculations can happen on an Excel spreadsheet. That's so true. You know, the the trend right now is thankfully we're seeing a move from short-termism to more long-termism, but businesses really, a lot of the companies that get backing operate on the short-term mentality. So how were you able to justify that, that long-term vision to, uh, really have that conviction and stick with with those kind of decisions. Yeah, I mean, you know, sustainability is not like an offset program. You know, it's it's like these things kind of have to start a bit more ecosystemically and kind of foundationally. I I, I like to always my co-founder would laugh because he says I, I you know, I've used I use this all the time, but like it it has to be in the batter and it can't be your frosting. So just by example for, you know, we, we, in, in systems biology or in ecosystems, you know, like for us, like if you look at our cap table, it's a lot of dots that, that contributed early, um, but not one dot had more power. Mm. (laughs) Uh, We don't have any board members currently. Um, And we, we kind of keep kept a more equitable distribution amongst like the ways we let people kind of put money into into the company obviously some have put more in than others so there it's not like one one to one to one but um there certainly i think was some initial belief that we knew we wanted to keep our heads down and continue to deliver on what we know we're building um that of course does not mean that we're not collaborative and that we don't take input but you know board votership is different than input um And I think we we knew that there would be a moment where that made sense, um, uh, but it wasn't early. And I think we felt that we really wanted to bring an eclectic group of humans together early. I'm just speaking from the cap table perspective, different perspectives, um, different industries, uh, different backgrounds, um, with the goal that we could ma- maintain also a lot of our autonomy early on because our vision and our model is quite different. And for some of the investors that come from maybe more consumer, they didn't necessarily understand the therapeutics and life science side and, and vice versa. And so I think we knew we just wanted to kind of keep our our vi- like to our 2020 vision, uh, not to make a Kanye reference, uh, <laughs> and, um, and get to this that place where then it would maybe make sense to change that approach to capital. Um, but I think for the most part, it was, uh, it was very by design. 
it's evident in in the product and the experience. Mm-hmm. Coming back to uh, coming back to one of the things you said earlier about uh, the product and the packaging and mm-hmm. making those decisions and having the conviction, there's not immediate necessarily payoff, uh, and you know mm-hmm. that it's kind of a long term impact. How did you know? Uh, it's really hard to say sometimes to have the data to back up the things that you think are really important, and so really. Oh you know, when a lot of brands are claiming sustainability is at the forefront of their minds, and yet they're still really only doing forefront of like pretty standard practice around packaging, Mm -hmm. um, you went as far as I've seen a brand go, right? And so how did you know that that was what the market was asking for? And you felt confident in that conviction? I mean, look, I, I, one thing I would just say, and I, I believe this with everything we do, and this is why I'm like the worst salesperson for <laughs> ever, um, is like everything is iterative. Uh, to be honest, like you, when you say like you feel like we went further, it like it kind of makes me cringe and not not because you said it, but more just because I'm like, you know, the bars are like so, way too low. I mean, so low. Have, I mean, there's a part, a couple parts of our, even our existing packaging that I, I we've searched for a long time to find replacements for and like, you know, so, and actually at the end of uh, um, August, early September, we have a whole, we've actually like revamped a number of things that will, will reveal that are kind of really interesting new materials I'm, I'm very proud of and actually um, maybe would, would, would cringe like less feeling like we should kind of like applaud ourselves. Um, I just think we have so far to go. And, and, and look, and I think, you know, pa- the, the obsession with packaging um, is an incredibly important one, of course, just yeah. because of how much single-use plastic is making its way and a and, and number of other, you know, aspects of packaging that are so d- incredibly damaging. Um, I mean, we first start from this place. The first principles is that the most sustainable thing is that we make nothing. Any company that is going to sit around and talk about how oh, sustainable they are, like, you need to start from this very first place, which is, like, people still should stop making shit and other people should stop buying so much shit. So, like, that's, like, let's just all agree that that's probably the most sustainable. <laughs> so once you move past that and you say we we have a company, we we do science and we commercialize that science into products. In our case, it kind of takes two paths. Um, we, I don't think it was so much like, oh, let's make sure our packaging is sustainable because there's some, like, consumer report that says millennials and Gen Z this is like a heuristic, like checkbox that they have um, that we should make sure we're doing because that's what um, the Lumina data reports say. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the kids these days really like sustainability. Like, it, you know, I, I've been in those meetings, by the way, and I've been at those conferences. So it does sometimes happen that way. Um, but I think in general, you know, for us, those things are kind of table stakes. I mean, I think there's absolutely every touch point of your UI, UX, your pixels, all the way to your cardboard are reflective of who you are. Mm. Um, now, it doesn't mean you can always prioritize all those things. Um, uh, and of course, like you you see how rapidly prioritization shifts like in the wake of a pandemic, right? Yeah. Um, no one's asking about like how sustainable are all those surgical masks. I mean, there's certain articles about it now, but at the end of the day, there's sometimes like an acute immune response that has to happen for the greater for these greater, you know, moments that next time it comes around, there'll probably be more sustainable materials or hopefully it doesn't. But if that, if yeah. it looks like human history, that's very likely. likely. Yeah. Let's um, hope we're better prepared. Yeah. You know, <laughs> to your question is kind of, you know, we, it, you know, we, if you understand biology and, and you work in science and you, you, you care about the 
environment, but also in, in our world of health and microbes, like we just don't see a distinction between human and environmental health. Mm. The, the distinctions actually that's been drawn and that kind of otherization of the environment and nature is actually incredibly, um, by the way, it goes both ways to so all the way to the people who deify and believe nature has all the answers. Right. Uh, also gives gives out give you know expect something from it that it may not have also been built to to serve. So it kind of goes all always, not just like oil you know oil companies. Um, yeah. You know uh, uh, you know it, it, it's kind of like the well, where's all that oregano oil coming from? <laughs> you know. <laughs> that you know it's it's like that is that's sometimes it's the least obvious places that you have to start looking for for like how you kind of dismantle some of these ideas but for the most part a very quick way to answer the question is as within without right it's very strange to offer something to someone's health for their human body while also serving it up in a way that then completely disregards the health of our greater ecosystem. It's like, in some ways, it, it, it's kind of more where maybe we start from versus like, you guys, this has to be more sustainable. <laughs> yeah. That's what, the, that's, what, that's what everyone on Instagram is going to want to see. Right. Yeah, of course. And, and, and then, of course, those, there's benefit to it because customers, you know, consumers and, and people buying things are caring more about those things. So, of course, there's value to it. And I'm glad that the world's working in that direction. And even despite greenwashing, despite some of the sustainability washing, I think even with that, sometimes I think that these things happen on spectrum and you have to start, um, you have to start somewhere where it gets into your consciousness. It's like the law of impressions. And so over time and over time, at least even if some of it's bullshit, at least you're starting to like reorient people around something that they did for a very long time and rewiring takes time, you know? It really does. It's amazing uh, how quickly we as humans think that we innovate and move. And in reality, our culture moves so slow. We just are not aware of that. And it's because psychologically, the cultural psychological memes take a very long time to evolve out. Yeah, I mean, but it's also it's also relative. If you talk to an evolutionary biologist, they'll tell you we're like one second, less than a second on the clock, right? Um, relative, but relative but, to our problems. Yes, yes, of course, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, like co- things like COVID and, and systemic, you know, racism and social injustice show you that we are capable of rapid change. Um, it, it doesn't mean that we, we do it well. Um, some places do it better than others, but, um, some cultures do it better than others. Um, (laughs) so clearly you're not putting the sole emphasis on the metrics of the market and the traditional KPIs and drivers for your product. Like Mm -hmm. there are, but there has to be some of them. So I'm curious, what is it that you look to, to inform your business, um, health metrics or product metrics and things like that, that you feel like are better indicators of this systemic approach to business? Mm -hmm. It's a great question. I I certainly wouldn't want to mislead that we don't also care deeply and look at those. I think some Mm -hmm. of them are incredibly important and are are actually very much like markers of like a, a more like a sustainable model that allowed us to get through COVID without laying anybody off and mm. not reduce any salaries and only hire people. So I certainly wouldn't want to mislead that we don't look at those. I would just say that we maybe look at them a little bit differently in the sense that there's no question we could have cut corners that would have 
um, would change a little bit things like LTV CAC ratios, just because of what our cost of goods would be like 20% lower or 30% lower, you know? So, so I would say that we absolutely optimize for them. I mean, I come from consumer tech and, and have had a lot of years in like, you know, mobile and, and, and e-commerce and those are very much important, but I even think, and, and obviously this this will sound because it's just subscription commerce, but even just being on a subscription model as an example allows you to have a, a, a very different intimacy with your customer, um, but also creates a much more like sustainable and resilient ecosystem um, and business model than, for example, if I had to always just chase somebody to put their credit card in that one time, it's a totally different energy than getting people to buy more stuff, mm-hmm. which is like you, you, and, and in some ways, I mean, right now we've built our entire business off of one skew, like literally one skew, yeah. you know, like cash flow positive business, one skew, like lots of people, but that is made possible by the fact that subscription and that ongoing relationship has both incredibly interesting, like financial implications, but does give us the permission to invest in the in the relationship with somebody in a different way than if I just was trying to get them to buy lots of different things at different prices all the time. Right. Um, and, it, and it really energetically is an entirely different kind of partnership um, with, a, with a consumer um, than when you have to keep going back to them and saying, what about this? What about this? What about this? And what about this? What about this? Um, and because we're, we, we don't really have plans to like have hundreds of SKUs, um, we, we take a bit more of that like kind of Apple approach. I think we're in the categories we're going into. I think we believe deeply in the one to three or four things that we're working on um, that are that will go through human clinical work and, and kind of the rigor of, of science that we do. Um, but I don't think we ever, like we have no plans to one day have like a hundred SKUs, you know, of, of, like with a bunch of different probiotics. Like it's just not, that's not who yeah. we are. And it, it's not interesting to me. Uh, I, I don't want to wake up every day and like sell people a lot of things. No, I mean, I think the DTC market is in trouble because everybody's just getting yelled at all the time. And I really am yeah. curious to see what happens. Uh, you know, at some point people are just tapping out of like having moved to digital so quickly all the time with the, with the yeah. pandemic being at home even yeah. more so than we were before. And yeah. all these brands just trying to like be even yeah. more in front of our faces. I think that, there's real danger in the DDC market. So it sounds like you feel like you are avoiding those kind of pitfalls of that market in, in the subscription model. Yeah. I mean, look, I think, look, like right now there's so much fatigue. Um, mm-hmm. I think like, like, no, and by the way, I think there'll be subscription fatigue also. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't, um, I don't think we are immune to that. I, I think about that. I think we're in a category where um, because people feel the way they, that you articulated at the beginning of the call um, and, and I think see such a noticeable impact um, from a health perspective, like I, that feedback loop is quite different than um, a box of like new beauty products to try every week, month or like, you know, I, and I think that the, the, the revolution of less um, particularly in a very reprioritized world, mm-hmm. um, I think will even lead to subscription fatigue. I think it will depend what subscription it is, of course. But 
Um, but I do, I do very much think that even subscriptions will have fatigue. I think there's a point, and, and also there's a point at which everything and a lot of things in technology reach these tipping points, right? Where if something becomes either democratized enough or, um, or I shouldn't say democratized, commoditized enough, um, and, and the value is lost, right? Which says a lot about its value in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, it's much of what is sold is based on lifestyle and we're seeing that lifestyle can shift very yeah. quickly. Yeah. But I think that the interesting thing about COVID and if you look at international data around like how spending is shifting to health and wellness more, I think that the long-term investment in your body is not something that's probably going to change anytime soon. For those people that take it seriously, they really are reckoning with what this might mean and how can we become healthier. And it's actually something that my partner's been talking a lot about. He's very into health and fitness. Mm -hmm. um, and there is something about the, the not to um, not to trivialize the number the numbers or the demographics around any of it, but the there's very strong correlations to exposure to vitamin D and outdoor time and health and fitness around your ability, your immune system's ability to, to handle the virus. And of course, there are people who fit all of that and have been hit very hard and have died from it. But uh, mm -hmm. there is amongst this that's not doesn't seem to be part of the conversation is very much like the presence of a health crisis in it, and its impact in the outcome here. Oh, yeah. I mean... I mean, look, this the, the last five months have just been like, it's like if someone like put a giant mirror up to this, our society and was like, mm -hmm. take a look at yourself. It feels good though. Honestly, that sounds really insensitive and, and masochistic, but it's good to see. I think it feels productive and I think yeah. it feels necessary. Um, and I think that like anything that's really productive and necessary, it's going to have moments of feeling like really good. Um, it makes me feel incredibly, I, I would say, hopeful. Um, and I don't mean that like tied to November's election. I mean, I, I mean, there's there's a lot of um, humility and um, just reckoning of uh, like of values and of privilege of of language mm -hmm. of like just so many things that I I feel. I think a lot of people feel very overwhelmed by in certain moments, but like, I think overwhelmingly, like if you look at kind of the stages of grieving or in even like the immune system, like just like, you know, there's like the immune response and then theoretically in a, in a more resilient body, you build antibodies, right? And, and your body starts to recognize that pathogen again, and it becomes less, it has less power uh, when an immune system is when an antigen is like, or, you know, is has less power over time. And, and that's how a healthy immune system works. And I think what we're seeing is like the parts of our collective body that um, have an autoimmune condition. Yeah. And the parts that have no immunity and that we have no antibodies for. You know, I think that clarity is the, the looking in the mirror brings about a clarity that uh, brings a lot of opportunity with it as well. You know, you're talking about the subscription model, that you have at Seed and building this relationship with your customers. It's a much more consistent and uh, offers its platform for a different kind of relationship with customers. And um, 
you know, this clarity that we're having also provides an opportunity for businesses to have generally all around look at ways to deepen their relationship with customers and really think about what value Mm -hmm. means uh, and where businesses plug into that for for customers. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that you said earlier was talking about these feedback loops. And I think in the system that we have right now, it's really tough to get an accurate feedback loop on every scale, right? On many of the scales and incorporate it. And so um, what are you finding in your experience incorporating and considering feedback loops uh, at Seed in your yeah. relationship with your customers from whichever yeah. scale that you want to respond sure. to that? Well, I mean, just to kind of self-awarely as we transition from talking about things like disparities in our country and um, systemic racism to uh, to like our business, like I, I you know, I it's pre- it would be pretty tone deaf to not also recognize that you know currently like our subscription is about a dollar sixty seven a day, um, which is you know just about fifty dollars a month, and that's not affordable to everybody. So right. uh, I would just say like um, for anyone listening, just to, to know that accessibility um, is a part of sustainability that we are incredibly mindful of. And, and certainly that does go to some of the longer term thinking, which is kind of what you need to do at the beginning to get where you want to be. Um, Cause certainly we didn't launch to become an inaccessible comp- health, health company. company. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, is something that um, kind of something that we think about and, and, and uh, are very mindful of as we are going to be launching new things too. Um, that being said, to answer your question more, more directly, um, but just wanted to call that out since it felt like weird to go from like, and society, everything, by the way, your subscription model. Uh, well, it's about the feedback loops. Like I feel inherently that business is the way that we impact and create the world that we want. And so while it feels like a rough transition to talk about yeah. sustainable, like to talk about a pandemic to, to business and, and this, it's like the way that we build our businesses impacts yeah. everything in the world yeah. and creates the world. So, yeah. And actually what you said, the way that you said that just now is like, you know, businesses shape. And I, I think I, one of the ways I kind of think about it is like humans, you know, businesses are just kind of like humans sitting around in like tables, like with ideas. <laughs> Uh, so I've always like, I, like the word business is so interesting to me because like, I don't affiliate or associate it with like in my lexicon, like that language just doesn't resonate. But I think because part of it is like, I just see a business as one structure that humans who have an idea have used to basically like amplify a set of values or the, or, in, or creation of something out into the world. There are other mechanisms for doing that. Artists do it by themselves or in collectives, um, you know, organizations decide that they're not going for, they have a different model, but they incorporate as a group and happens to be that like, we have a C-Corp structure that we use to <laughs> create a structure. So it's, it's kind of like, I, I, we think a little bit more, maybe a bit more like that, but the feedback loop is, you know, the one that I was referencing earlier was actually more just kind of like a, a wink to probiotic um, strains that have a digestive feedback loop just because you were saying you don't know if something's quote unquote like working and, and also then there's like placebo effect and other stuff and so I think one of the things in our world that's such an interesting feedback loop is the physiological feedback loop of the probiotic strains that have been studied you know for gastrointestinal like health because they literally are triggering like the neuro you know they're they're 
they're impacting the neurotransmitters that impact things like motility and going to the bathroom. And so there's like an interesting feedback loop of the like, how do I know it's quote unquote working? So actually in our, at least with our first product, like there's like this physiological feedback loop that, um, you know, and of course, if it reduces your bloating and all of a sudden every time you eat, you're like, oh, I didn't know eating could feel like this. I like felt yucky like for so many years because I didn't realize that um, like a microbe could actually like do something about that. And so it's, I think that that was the feedback loop I was referring to earlier. But of course, there's the, um, just that, that circularity uh, also, of course, applies to many other things. Subscription, of course, being one of them, because mm-hmm. every month, you know, I believe that you have to earn the permission to charge someone's credit card again. Like, I think that's, that's a, that's a permission you earn. The allowing of it is its own feedback loop, which means that if someone's not actively canceling, we're, we're doing something right. <laughs> We've earned the permission for at least that next 29, 20, whatever, 27 to 29 days. Um, and so, I, you know, I think the, the feedback loop of subscription is fascinating because over time, of course, people have a different, you know, their, their body changes, their health, you go through different kind of phases from a health perspective. So I think the, the feedback loop between us and like our customers, like just even from like a care perspective, customer care, um, all the way to the physiological, of course, feedback that we get uh, about the product itself, um, but all the way to just the 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 way that we get to speak and think about an experience that doesn't just start and stop with like getting going through a checkout mm-hmm. flow um, is just a it's an awesome orientation where you're just like I can I can spread out everything I want to say to you <laughs> over a period of time so that like you can hear us at the right moments in your journey. We can serve something up that could be meaningful for you at that moment. And while you're going through that, we're learning from others who are either starting like yourself or who have been with us for a long time. And then we just get to continue like improving that experience. And I think that in a lot of ways, that's just that that's, I think, one of the more beautiful energies that the energetic way that and dynamic that you get to kind of at least cultivate with the subscription that it that's just different uh, what do what are you getting the most feedback like how are you getting the most feedback is it through email or surveys or yeah, it's, Instagram? Yeah, right, right now it's fairly like a lot of the more traditional ways but we're working on a couple of things that I think will be really um, interesting that that kind of ladder up to you know in clinical research one of the biggest complaints about how clinical research is done outside of obviously racial and gender gaps and things that mm. have kind of contributed to I think science scientific uh, blind spots um, is um, is what they what they refer to as anecdotal data which is just kind of the stuff that can't be measured right like the the experience right. underlying experience and so. Um, we're working on a an, a couple ideas around that, where um, the experience and the story of your body and um, of of your of your journey, kind of like both with our product, but just even like maybe more holistically, can be captured in a really interesting way. Um, and I think that will put us in an even maybe deeper feedback loop. Yeah, amazing. And I have a feeling that probably has implications for your accessibility goals long term. So. Yeah. Yes. Are you able to share a little bit more with about about some of the things you were alluding to from an accessibility perspective? 
Oh, sure. I mean, you know, look, I started the company to reinvent infant formula. Um, that was kind of like my, my inception was very much around, um, my experience breastfeeding and, and that's part of how I found my way to the microbiome and, and to understanding kind of that critical window of development for a baby's microbiome, um, mm. the first, first couple of years, the formative years, um, before, before their microbiome becomes kind of what they call steady state. Um, and breast milk is a huge part of that, but a third of the carbohydrates in breast milk are not even digestible by the infant's human body. They're, they're just food literally just fertilizer for the, for the microbes in the, in an infant's gut that forms their GI and immune system. Wow. So that was really where we started. Um, and so when, you know, which is still very much on the roadmap and very much, um, I think one of my goals with that, uh, is that there is an incredibly accessible business model for it. Um, so that, that I think is one that is incredibly important to me, uh, not because for, for any reason to, to not suggest that someone should breastfeed and if they can, they should. Um, but, uh, but because after, if somebody has either elected not to, or cannot for some reason breastfeed, um, I think we, we would like to figure out how to make that, uh, that product, um, accessible and on par with other market. The, the other ones, there's there's a couple of others that I, I will say we haven't shared publicly yet, but they are ingredients um, that are common in a lot of uh, food or one one particular common in a lot of foods that if if replaced could really be impactful for people's health and uh, is kind of present in almost everything. And so I think the, we've been working on kind of a functional version of it, which means like not just a replacement, but one that actually has like a positive benefit in the gut. Mm. Um, really interesting um and then the other areas that we're really excited about are things like um you know a, a lot of people don't don't really realize how like every single person in the world that you know technically at some point in their life has some ver some spectrum of periodontal disease so uh reimagining through oral microbiome research skin microbiome research kind of how we care for our mouths for our skin um those are kind of tracks like in our in our pipeline that i think we're very excited about you know i think <laughs> we just kind of jumped right into the, to the business talk at the beginning of the conversation. And I know that you've told your story plenty of times about how you came to, came to understanding the importance of the microbiome through motherhood. Right. Uh, but can you talk a little bit about why you thought the microbiome was this kind of revolutionary space for the world and, you know, what really inspired you so much about it and, and the potential you see there? Uh, yeah, of, of course. I mean, would it be helpful to start with a definition? Sure. So the microbiome is the collection of 38 trillion microbes that live within and on us. Um, the reason that people usually like think the, the microbiome is just the gut is because the majority of them live there. Mm. Um, there's about three to five pounds of our body that are not human. Um, by cell count, they make up about almost 50% of us. Um, so for everyone who's walking around prior to this moment in the podcast and you thought you were hundred percent human, you're 100% wrong. Um, you are about 50%. Um, and they are, they live in every kind of surface that touches the external world. So there's an optical microbiome. There's a nasal microbiome. We're actually doing an interesting COVID project soon with mm. nasal microbiome. Um, there's a skin microbiome. There's a vet for women. There's a vaginal microbiome. Um, and there's a oral microbiome in your mouth, um, amongst others. And I think what, what's so interesting is that while they are all considered your microbiome, they're, 
they are also their own distinct ecosystems with their own distinct markers of health. So a great example would be a marker of health in the gut microbiome that's kind of been uh, agreed to by the scientific community while everybody's microbiome is incredibly different is that diversity is a good thing. So you want diverse number of species like living in the gut. In the vagina, you want no diversity. <laughs> you do not want diversity. Diversity in the vagina would not be a good thing. So, so that's, that's just kind of like an, an, just to demonstrate, like they are as different from one another in terms of species as like a rainforest is from a desert, uh, from a, to a, to a coral reef. Um, they each kind of have their own ways of processing external information and keeping you safe. Uh, while also getting what they need, which is mainly like the right temperature and nutrients to uh, to do their jobs for you. Um, so so it's um, kind of a beautiful, you, you are kind of more of a coral reef <laughs> uh, than necessarily a human. Um, and so, so to sit, answer your question about why that was so meaningful, for me outside of just, you know, I, I think I've kind of watched the world of what, like wellness and health and you know, I just felt, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the notion of like zero to one, um, which is different than kind of like yeah. the tinkering where things kind of feel like, you know, an iOS update from 1.1 to 1.3. And then there's things that take it from 1.3 to kind of 4.0. I, I, and having come from tech and just worked with like a lot of incredible like techno people in technology and been at the forefront of a few of the, the, the fields that I started companies in. I think that that earliness um, and that sense, and particularly when by the time I, in life that I was at starting Seed, and you think about where you can make a big impact, you know, the things that feel quite iterative and tinkering-y uh, are not necessarily what will get me up every morning. Um, and I do, I and, and certainly doesn't feel like it's nudging the world forward. Um, so I think that I ha I was looking existentially for something that, I, and, and intellectually where every day, like I, I would learn something and uh, I felt that we could be in a, in, 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 in create something that not just in the advancement of a field that was at its forefront, but that actually you can make a tremendous impact with um, was kind of a huge like idea to me from a, from a human perspective, it felt like the perspective shift that was necessary to get people away from the like, tinkering -y, like this diet this diet this that like just like the, the noise of this product and this product like it was it, it felt to me like well like stop all of that for one second but did you know <laughs> that there's this whole ecosystem that needs to do something for you uh that you need to also care for it mm -hmm. and that like it impacts a lot of aspects of your health and how you function um outside of whether or not you take our pro products and like, if you could really shift people's perspective, like, could you have then the permission to not just build on that education, but of course, um, be at the forefront of, this, of the science and, and how that was being translated in categories like, for example, in consumer probiotics, where there's so much sensationalization, so much noise, so much misinformation, so much misunderstanding. Mm. Um, and could you create kind of like a new standard in that? Um, that you knew like over time as the research advanced um, would become more meaningful in different aspects of your health, the way you care for your body, the way you make decisions about nutrition, um, even even drugs you take when you get a UTI or um, bacterial vaginosis, for example. And so I think that was really 
um, you know, for me, it, w- it felt like it was that zero to one. Um, and then on top of that, it had the added benefit of being in a space where the commercialization and path to getting it to humans doesn't have the friction that many other new big ideas and technology did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that um, proximity and that tangible ability to make an, an impact that didn't take 10 15 years, but actually could, could happen now, I think was incredibly, uh, kind of all, all coalesced to kind of, um, in seed. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and there is, uh, the work that you've been putting out there. It's evident that there's you and many other people in the field. It's evident that there is, uh, so much benefit from looking at, uh, not just the micro, but the, the microbial worlds and, and mm-hmm. the impact yes. that it could have. Right. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm curious, uh, coming from tech, I mean, you're, you, are, you are acknowledged and recognized in a number of lists and publications for your entrepreneurial leadership. Um, uh, you came from tech, you're now in, uh, in the health industry, and I'm curious to hear uh, have anything that comes to mind uh, about your, your evolution over time as a leader and entrepreneur. I think the, well, I think like... It, it it is a bit of a of a common trope, but that people are really everything. So um, that like, and I would say particularly like in the and particularly in like Silicon Valley, where there's a lot of narratives around co-founders and how how important that relationship is. I, I would say that that to me is probably like the single most important um, piece of what will contribute to seed success is me and uh, like our our co-foundership for at seed health like to me um that understanding that happens over many years of of who you build with and how that healthy and how that works is directly correlated to the success of what you built mm. and you know i think one of the things you you'd mentioned earlier was that you really wanted to bring in diverse perspectives so that seems like one of the things are there any other recommendations in, in making sure people bring in the right people um I mean I think that there's look I think there's I mean we we want part of our and, and actually we're we're probably revamping this you know soon um so I, I'd say it's like something that I'm we're, we're learning and figuring out how to implement always and just kind of continuing to look at like how you identify not just talent and, and people who are extraordinary at what they do but also like the humanist the human side of but will they fit into your not fit into you but will they will they add to your ecosystem meaningfully? Um, mm. You know, and I always ask people, what is it, what does it look like on your worst day? You know, like how, how do I find out that you're upset about something? Like mm. what, what do you do when like this, you know, because those are the things that like you kind of find out the hard way. Um, and then I think one of the most important things is work product, which is you can talk, you can have a million interviews and until you see someone do deep work, you have no idea. Um, and I think we, we have deep work as part of our process and people mm. have to be like a project and we kind of, um, make that as, you know, as, as appropriately rigorous as we can. Um, and, th- and that is definitely that, that to me combined with some of the, I think the nuance of getting to understand like how people think about, and also like the tenor of what work feels like to somebody, um, is it like is it arduous and fatiguing? Is it, are you just every opportunity, every challenge is an opportunity. You know, there's so many like markers of like optimism and, and exceptionalness 
um, that I think we we really try and identify for. But I think that comes from asking people like hard questions. Um, I definitely, you know, that that I think are that like kind of not dissimilar to what I was saying about the microbiome, just kind of like shift your perspective a little. I, I at least get a lot of feedback in interviews. It's just as I've no one's ever asked me that question. <laughs> and I think that that in itself is is a testament to like how again back to the touch points of like how you leave a. Uh, an indelible mark um, and how you have to think about things intentionally. Like we certainly have a long way to go in terms of codifying like our recruiting and onboarding process. But I think most people come away, even with that being like a very early stage experience, like feeling like we're very thoughtful. Hmm. Um, and, and yeah. And I think like wherever we can communicate that kind of first principles type of thinking um, and, and figure out how you identify that in others and how tied they are to a belief that they have and look going out and looking at looking at the world only through the lens of finding supporting evidence for what they already think. Mm. That's probably like my biggest, that's, that's my, like the cure, like the, like that lack of curiosity and holding on to that kind of confirmation bias is like what I would like to very much avoid uh, <laughs> building a, a company of. Yeah. I think that's really great point uh, and super important for where we are at, at this point yeah. in time. Yeah. And very non-scientific. If, if you don't ask really good questions, I think we're, it's a big red flag for us. Yeah, absolutely. Ara, this was a really great conversation. I'm thrilled to have been able to speak with you and just learn a little bit more about the workings and the thought process that make uh, Seed Health a really great company. So thanks for being here with me Thank today. You. Thanks for all your questions too. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Greater Than. Show notes are available on the podcast page on our website, wearewhole.co. That's w-r-w-h-o-l-e.co. If you enjoyed this conversation, leave a review where you stream your podcast and share it with others who might like it too.